Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. If you would like to participate in online worship, sermons, and children's programs, then check out the Renaissance Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, let's get started. Well, hello everyone again. My name is Jeff and I'm one of the leaders here at Renaissance. And today I want to continue our little Bible study that we started last week. I didn't know I was going to do this in two parts, but it just seemed to make sense to me. Uh, Last week we were in Luke chapter 15, looking at some of the parables that Jesus was teaching his disciples and some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. And a parable, just by way of reminding you, is a fictitious story. It's a a made-up story that's intended to to have a a moral or a spiritual truth contained in it. And so Jesus is teaching these parables so that people would understand the spiritual truth about uh, who God is, how God um, treats his people, the kingdom of God, or whatever Jesus is deciding to discuss. There's something inside of that for us to understand. And so last week, we looked at the parable of the prodigal son, and it's the story of a man, a father who has two sons. There's an older son and a younger son. And last week, we just did the first part of the story where we're talking about the younger son. The younger son basically, right, Cliff Notes version here, he went to the father and he said something like this, you're dead to me. I don't want to have a relationship with you. In fact, I want you to give me my half of the inheritance. Split it up between me and my older brother. I want what's coming to me, and I don't want to live my life with you anymore. And so he decided to leave his father and his family to take his inheritance and move to a faraway land. And what we learn in reading the story as Jesus is teaching it, that he squandered all of his resources. He spent all of his money. He found himself broke and destitute and in a really tough place. And it's in the middle of that um, difficult situation that he comes to himself and realizes, I could go back to where my father is and I could live as one of his hired hands. I could be an employee and I would live better than I'm living now. And so he prepares a speech to go back to his father to say something like, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Please let me just return to home here and just be one of the hired help. But the father says, no. He says, no, you can come back, but you're coming back in full status. You're coming back as my son again. And the father throws this lavish celebration, this huge party invites all of the neighbors and the people from the village to come in and celebrate the son that he thought was dead and gone, who has returned and is alive and well. And that's where we pick up the story. The party is ensuing and all of a sudden the older son hears something from the fields. Um, Before we move forward though, I'd like to pray for us. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the story that Jesus is teaching here today. I'm thankful that we have it recorded for us in scripture, in the Bible, and that we too can look to it for spiritual truth. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us even now as we sit in our living rooms or kitchens or wherever we might be watching this, that you would come to us, Holy Spirit, and you would help us understand who God is and the work that Jesus has done for us and that, um, that our eyes would be opened and our ears would be open to hear and to see what you have for us. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. 
So we pick up this story here in verse 25, where the older son now enters the story. It says here in verse 25, the older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So the older son was not home when the younger son returned. He was off doing something, maybe working for his father. We don't know. But he hears this um, music and dancing. And I want us to pause and consider how raucous this celebration must have been for the older son to hear dancing. Wherever he was, out in the countryside somewhere, he hears music, singing maybe, and dancing. This is some type of party. This was a celebration, the likes of which probably the, the people of the village or the town had not seen ever before. This was a great big celebration and everyone had been invited to this. And, and I say that because the two previous parables that Jesus taught here in Luke 15, um, he talks about something that was lost and found. And he says, when the person finds something, why would they not invite their neighbors to come in and celebrate with them? And so this parable is sort of the third one in that series. So the implication here is that this father who has lost his younger son has found him again. And he's certainly invited all of his relatives and certainly invited all the townspeople and neighbors to come in and celebrate with him. And this is a large party that's going on. And the brother hears of this and he asks one of the servants, um, what, is, what is going on? What do the, all of these things mean? Why do I hear music? Why do I hear dancing? And the servant says here in verse 27, your brother has come back, that your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now let's pause here and consider something. In the middle of this parable, Jesus is pointing to a, a key piece of information here that we have to understand. This is a story of a family. This is the story of a father and two sons. And there's some unique things, some uh, unique characteristics that families um, experience that uh, people that aren't in the family don't experience. The family's a special unit. The relationship between siblings and parents is unique. In fact, I was talking about this yesterday um, with a friend of mine. We were saying, I was saying this, I was saying, uh, isn't it strange that when you have a really good friend of yours, like maybe your best friend, you, you put your arm around him when you introduce him to other people and you say, this is my brother. This is my brother. And it's not your brother, but you're, you're giving him the moniker of brother because there's, there's an intimacy that family relationships have that other relationships don't. Uh, growing up, one of my best friends, um, I used to spend a lot of time over at their house. Um, in fact, his mom became what I like to call a second mom to me. Um, I, I loved her. She treated me like a son. And there was just a, a level of intimacy that, that we had. Even though we weren't blood related, it, it, was, like, it was like there was a closeness there. And, and I wanted everyone to know she was like my mom. So, so anyways, Jesus is saying um, in the story, when he says your brother has returned and your father is throwing a, uh, a celebration, is he wants us to see the family unit that's taking place. And, and there's something also unique in the family that, that you and I oftentimes, we, we, um, <laughs> why is it that we 
we allow frustrations and things to boil over so quickly with family members that we don't allow that to happen with coworkers or maybe even strangers. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Why is it that we'll give more patience to people we hardly know than to people who are the closest to us? And that's exactly what we see in this story. Uh, Jesus is reminding us this, that the family members oftentimes are so quick to become frustrated, so quick to become angered. And in fact, when the brother, the older son, hears that the younger son had returned, that's exactly what we see. The older son's reaction we find in, in verse 28. It says this, but he, the older son, was angry. That he was angry and he refused to go into the party. Now think about this. How angry do you have to be to refuse to celebrate the return of someone that you thought was dead and is now alive? One, let's go one step more. How, how angry do you have to be to refuse to go in and celebrate a family member? a brother who you thought was dead and has now been found safe and sound and is in fact alive. There's maybe only one word that could describe this. You're furious. You're furious that this has taken place. And what happens next is shocking. The older son manipulates the father to leave his own celebration Right? To, and he, he tells him to come out by refusing to go in, by standing stubbornly outside the party. He, he forces the father to leave the greatest celebration he's ever experienced. His younger son has been found alive, but the older son manipulates the father, making him leave the party to come out. And he makes the father come out and, and say to him, basically, join me in celebrating the return of my son. Join me in celebrating the return of your brother. But the, the older son says, no, I won't do it. The whole village, as I said, would have been there. This is what's implied when Jesus says that the father killed the fattened calf. This was... Um, we learned that back in those days that meat oftentimes wasn't eaten at most meals and certainly not a delicacy like the fattened calf. And for the father to, to kill the fattened calf, it, it, it implies that this was not just a celebration for the family and maybe the servants, but this was for everyone to come and experience. But the older son makes him leave the party. And why is this? Again, because he was angry and he was manipulating the father to leave. The question I have, and maybe you have it too, is why was he so angry? I think it started as jealousy. I think the older son was jealous and it, 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 it grew and, and as he's getting closer and closer to the party and the, the, the laughter and the, the joyous celebration that's taking place, as he hears it, he's getting more and more jealous and more and more angry. Look what we read here in verse 29. It says, when he... When the father had asked the older son to come in, he says he begged him to come in, come and join me in celebrating. But the older son answered the father, he says, now look here. He says, how can you not see what's taking place here? He says, I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. That I have been good to you. I have been obedient to you. I have followed every rule that you've ever given me. And you've never once given me even a young goat for me to, to eat and to celebrate with my family or to celebrate with my friends is what he's saying. <laughs> this is jealousy. And he wants his father to see it too. He says, don't you see what's taking place? 
that, that, that your son, your younger son had taken everything that you had given him and he wasted it. And now he's beginning to resent his father for having compassion and forgiveness for his brother. He's resenting his father for having compassion and forgiveness to his younger son. Verse 30, he says this, he goes, this son of yours, he refuses to even call him brother. He refuses to even say my brother. He says, this son of yours, who he, he has come now and he has devoured your property. He has wasted everything that you had given him and you would accept him back. And he's resentful for the father for doing that. Almost implying, dad, father, you should be angry too. You should be mad too. You should not be showing compassion and forgiveness on him. You saw how wasteful he was. But the father wasn't angry. The father wasn't angry at all. And in fact, in the next verse, he says, he says this in verse 31. To the, to the older son, he says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. Almost like, how can you not see this? It is fitting to celebrate and be glad because your brother, and the father says this, he's reminding him, this is your brother. He says, your brother was dead and is now alive. He was lost, but is now found. He also says this to the older son, and this would be something for us to consider. He says, all that I have is, is yours. Everything that is mine is yours. The, the older son seems to be frustrated that the, the younger son has taken some of the father's inheritance and wasted it. But the father is reminding him, everything that I have now, and this is a real true statement, everything that is left is all yours. It's all yours. And I've always been here for you. Why are you frustrated now? Why are you so frustrated that you, you never got a young goat to celebrate with your, your friends? He goes, everything I have is yours. Uh, Tim Keller uh, said it best this way. Uh, Tim Keller, if you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's a, a pastor and a church planter in Manhattan, right? One of the richest zip codes probably in America. And he, he was teaching on this story. And he said this, he said that the older son was more interested in the things of the father instead of the heart of the father. The older son seemed to be more interested in the stuff that the father had and was going to give him in his inheritance. He was more interested in those things than he was interested in the heart of the father. And here's the, the weird part. He was using his good behavior. He was using his rule following. He was using his obedience as a reason to, uh, to um, manipulate his father to, to be frustrated with the younger son. He, he was using all of his good behavior by saying, look, dad, I've always been good to you. I've always obeyed everything you've said. You, you should be frustrated too. And he was using all of this stuff to get the father to be frustrated. Now, here's what's interesting is it's so easy for us to look at the story, right? Of uh, uh, this parable that Jesus is teaching and to look at the younger son and go, yep, that's what sinful living looks like. 
That's what it looks like when a person treats his parents as if they're dead, who takes money that they've, been, they've inherited, and they go waste it on prostitutes. This is what the older son says, that your son has wasted the money on prostitutes. It's easy to look to the younger son and go, yep, 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 that's what sinful living looks like. And we can stop here and go, but the father received him back. How joyous this occasion must have been. And maybe that's the spiritual truth that Jesus is trying to teach in this parable. And I think that's part of it, but it's not all of it. I think Jesus is also wanting us to see that there's, there's another way to be sinful that doesn't involve wasting money on prostitutes and lavish living. It has to do with trying to use your good behavior and your, your rule following to manipulate the Father to give you more stuff. <laughs> I think as the Pharisees and the Sadducees are standing around Jesus, um, criticizing Jesus for sitting down with sinners, for eating with sinners and tax collectors, these religious leaders, the rule followers of the day, are pointing at Jesus and grumbling against him. Why would you sit with sinners? Jesus is using the older son as an example, that there are oftentimes people, maybe even us sometimes, who, who use our uh, obedience in rule following as some way to manipulate God to have him give us something. But God, I've, I've prayed every day this week. But God, I, I stopped yesterday and I didn't watch TV. Remember, and I've opened my Bible and, and I was trying to have relationship with you. And, and, and we go to God with all of these things, telling him we deserve something from him. And that's sinful behavior. What we need to understand is that our our relationship with God, the things we get from God are given to us freely from him. We don't earn them. And this is so true when it comes to our own salvation. That if we look at Jesus, who is the savior of the world, the son of God who has come, who has died on a cross for our sins, was buried in the grave, a grave and raised from the dead. If we look to Jesus, not as our savior, but more as just a moral teacher, as an example of someone to model our life after, well, he was a nice guy, I'll be a nice guy. He treated um, the widows nice, I'll treat widows nice. If we just use him um, as an example to live our life and not the savior, then we are sinning too. We are trying to say that we can earn salvation from God by our works. And that's not how this thing is supposed to work. That's not what the gospel teaches us. We want to think that this story is read and people celebrated at the end of it. Yay, the, the, the prodigal son has returned home. God, or the father has received his son back. And that's a picture of God, the father who receives us sinful people back. But it, it doesn't end there. Jesus then labors into the story of the older son. And, and shockingly, he doesn't resolve it for us. He leaves it hanging. We don't know what happens to the older son. It just finishes here in verse 31. As the father reminds the older son, it is fitting to celebrate. Your brother was lost and is found. Your brother was dead and is now alive. And that's it. We don't know what happens to the older son. And as the religious leaders would have heard that, they would have thought that to be a scandalous thought. 
Jesus is telling these parables to them so that, so that they would understand that their grumbling against him for receiving sinners is bad behavior too, is sinful. He goes, besides, it doesn't matter all of your uh, rule following. It uh, doesn't matter all the things that you think you're doing to earn something from God. You, you, you're sinning against him by not seeing. You're blinded by your own actions is what he's implying. This story seems to be more about the older son's blindness, right? And his unwillingness to, to see God's compassionate and forgiving heart. They seem to be more concerned on how they can earn things from God rather than to receive them as a true gift and the true act of grace that they truly are. My Bible, I read the, the ESV translation of the Bible and um, it calls this section the parable of the prodigal son. And to be honest with you, I didn't know what prodigal meant. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know. It's not a word I use every day. And, and so when I read the story, I, I'd always thought it was about the younger son, the prodigal son who, um, who went away, right? Lived badly and then returned back to God. I thought the prodigal son, the prodigal was defined by someone who, who's left and come back. But when I looked up the definition of prodigal this week, that's not at all what it means. Prodigal just means this. It means to spend resources freely and recklessly, to be wastefully, to be wastefully extravagant, to give lavishly. This story that we call the parable of the prodigal son really should be renamed the parable of the prodigal father. Really, this story should show us how prodigal, how reckless and lavish God is with us. You see, because the story is this, that yes, God does receive sinners back, not only the ones who squander through reckless living and make bad choices, but also the sinners who try to manipulate God into giving them by just simple obedience and rule following, that somehow they can earn things from God except instead of accepting it through Jesus Christ. This story should be called the parable of the prodigal God, the, the, the story of God's lavish love on all of us. His willingness, even now, when you and I consider that, that we are more like the older son than the younger son. We have days when we might look back at our life and go, yeah, I used to be like the younger son. I used to live uh, recklessly. I used to live... Um, as if God the Father didn't exist, <laughs> right? But more often times now, um, we're living like the older son. Stern, stiff-necked, and stiff-backed, somehow thinking that our activity and, and how we live our lives, it, it, it requires God to respond in a certain way. And when we, when we treat God that way, we're sinning against him. My prayer this week as I've been studying is that we, that we would have our eyes open to this reality and that we would see it doesn't matter for an older son or a younger son, but that we could all come back to God through Jesus Christ. That we have all been found dead in our trespasses and our sins against God and God through Jesus Christ uh, receives us back to himself. That's the story that I want us to, to see today. That's, that's what I think Jesus is wanting us to see today.
Would you pray with me? I would just want to pray for us that, that the Holy Spirit would come and help us to respond. That the Holy Spirit would come and help us see this differently. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for our time again today. God, may we never be so quick to judge others for their sin, sinful behavior and, and be blind to miss our own. So I pray right now, God, during, um, during this time, as we, say these, as, as we pray these prayers, that you would open our eyes to see our own sinful behavior. And then that would motivate us to, to move back to you, is what the Bible calls repent to admit our wrongdoing and to return to the truth that is in you. God, may we never be people who look down on our noses at other people who sin. <laughs> may we never look down our noses at other people who don't live the way that we live. And God, may we never be blind to the fact that we oftentimes sin against you as well, even when we don't even see it. So God, I just pray that you help us to see the love of Jesus that we'd understand your love for us like the psalmist does. Psalm 145 says this, that the Lord is gracious and merciful, that he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and that the Lord is good to all, to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. God, help us remember that you are merciful that your love is strong and steadfast and it is available to all people. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, in whom we have the perfect relationship, in the works that Jesus has performed on our behalf by dying on a cross, by being raised from the dead, that he has restored for us the relationship that we want with you. It is not based on our works. God, we could never be good enough. We could never sacrifice enough to earn salvation. So we have to accept it through Jesus Christ. And so I pray right now, Father, that you help us see Jesus as not just a moral teacher and a good example to live our life like, but to see him as our savior, the one who has rescued us. And we give him glory and honor. And it's in his name we pray, amen. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rendicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.